0: I look at that as just like bring it on, like let's let's find a way to incorporate horses and improve this person's life so that they can be understood and accepted and my, my end goal is always about making it so that they're functioning better everywhere. We, we don't just want to teach them to ride a horse.
1: Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Erin McCormick and she is the star of episode 6 of YXE Underground. XE Underground is an original podcast focusing on the people in Saskatoon who are making an impact in their communities but are flying under the radar. Erin certainly is making a difference here in Saskatoon. She owns and operates Equilibrium Therapeutic Riding north of the city where she helps children and adults with physical and cognitive challenges through horseback riding. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> That's one of her horses introducing himself to me. His name is Smoke and on the day I drove out to meet Erin, she was teaching a class to the general public in her riding arena. That's where I met 12-year-old Parker who was kind enough to tell me more about Smoke. Horses can tell, like, they're very empathetic. animals. They can tell how how you're feeling. So if you're feeling nervous, they'll feel nervous too. So they'll like, they're really gentle. So what, <laughs> <laughs> Smoke's coming to say Hello Smoke Hi Hi buddy When you first met Smoke How how did he react to you? Uh, he kind of licked my hand tried, Thought I had food <laughs> But he was very good with me When I first met him what, What's it like riding him? Uh, it's cool Because he's a big horse And you kind of just feel like up. You feel like really tall on him <laughs> Now, if you're a regular listener of the show, you might be noticing I'm sounding a bit different. That's because I'm not in the CBC Saskatoon studios recording my deep, sultry voice. I'm actually out at Cranberry Flats, south of Saskatoon. I'm here because the last encounter I had with a horse before meeting Aaron was here with my dog, Fred. We were walking back from, uh, from the river... And we were uh, walking back towards the parking lot. And we saw these two kind of dark, big lumps in, in the distance. And at first I thought, those are really big dogs. And then I thought, oh, those dogs have people on the back of them. Wait a minute. Those aren't dogs. Those are horses. And sure enough, uh, two beautiful horses. And uh, they, they were riding uh, towards the river. And uh, so Fred was barking at them. And then he realized, oh, these these are big dogs, (laughs) these are horses. So uh, we had a lovely chat uh, with with the owners and um, yeah, that was my last encounter with with a horse up until um, meeting up with Erin at at her stables. And I, I just think horses are incredible animals and I have such a new appreciation for them after meeting Erin. So, about a month into starting this podcast, Erin reached out to me to say that she would love to be a guest. Erin was a CBC Future 40 winner in 2015, but I, I couldn't find an in depth story about her or the work that she does. So, I thought Step it would be kind of cool to learn, learn more about the, ther- the therapy she teaches with her horses. Yeah.
0: Step two reins in left hand. Yep. And now what? You jump out. Nope. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay, so we're going to bring the reins over
1: the head, Parker. That's it. So I drove out to her acreage, which is about a half hour north of Saskatoon, and after knocking on the front door of her house, realized she was probably in the riding arena. Sure enough, she was teaching a class. Erin wrapped things up, bounced off her horse, and jumped right into the interview. Now, I I take a lot of pride in usually being the most enthusiastic person in a room. I can't hold a candle to Erin.
0: Well, my name is Erin McCormick, and welcome to Equilibrium Therapeutic Riding. We're in the indoor riding arena at our acreage, and we're um, north of Saskatoon between Osler and Hague. and this is, I think, the most wonderful place in the world, and I think that about 110 other people that come here every week feel the same way, at least I hope, anyway. Uh, They keep coming back year after year into our riding facility where we teach therapeutic horseback riding.
1: Can you describe for our listeners what what I walked into? I saw the last fifteen minutes of I, I guess a session. What what was happening?
0: Okay, so I had a group of three riders, and they're all beginners. Um, we do have um, a general public riding program, which is what you were witnessing there. Yeah. So in in addition to our um, therapeutic riders uh, with disabilities, we also teach. Um, Uh, the general public as well and that sort of came as a demand because um all the siblings of our special needs riders wanted to take up learning to ride as well so then we've kind of met sort of everybody's needs um and families come out here all together so
1: that's really neat that this is you've formed like a little community out here haven't you
0: totally yeah Definitely. Um, the special needs community, as, as many uh, individuals that have disabilities in in the province, there are many, but I feel like I've gotten to know so many over the years. Um, and yeah, definitely we want all people to be welcome here. Um, we want it to be regardless of your disability, regardless of your need. And um, the program is so individualized that that's kind of our... our that's kind of our selling feature is that it's an individualized program. So regardless of what, you're com- what kind of a life you're experiencing outside of the riding lesson, our goals are to make gains in, in other areas of your life, but we're using the horse to enrich, enrich your life.
1: I'll, I'll ask you about some of those uh, specific programs and, and the therapeutic riding that you do in a bit. But um, can, can you explain how all of this came to be, you're Great. smiling.
0: <laughs> Here's, I feel a story coming on. Um, <laughs> so, um, as a kid myself, in about probably grade seven or eight, um, I started volunteering at a nonprofit organization that was dedicated to offering therapeutic riding in the Saskatoon area. Yeah, and so as a volunteer there, I just really. I loved my time there. I, was, um, I would spend every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, learning to ride and in an integrated program. So it was people with disabilities and people without disabilities learning to ride together, just as we have here now. Um, and that nonprofit uh, was really what kind of gave me the bug. And um, the nonprofit ceased to exist. So that's sort of what brought me to this point of wanting to start my own center. Which we did in
1: 2001. Did you have, did you have a, a, a horse background, or did <laughs> like did you like how what made you want to, to do that? Did you always love horses?
0: Yeah. So I uh, anybody who really really loves horses to the point that I do can pretty much agree that it's some sort of in your DNA kind of way. So my uh, paternal grandpa was a horseman and, um, he had draft horses that he used for farming. And, um, so my dad and my aunt and my uncle all grew up around horses, but really my aunt was the one that kind of continued to love horses and own them, um, for the rest of her life. She still owns horses. And so she was the one that introduced me to it at her place in Manitoba. Every summer I would get to go there and ride. And it was just like, once I did it once, that was all I wanted was riding lessons, um, for myself and
1: what, what was it about being on the horse that just got you so hooked?
0: Um, well, started, I think, with, a, like, a love of animals, first of all. I get attached to them just like they're my children, and now they're like my babies, too. And um, it just the, the feeling of independence. I'm a really independent person, so I think for me just being having a way to outlet my independence and... Um, and just uh, the power. It's just the special connection, with the animal, the building of the relationship, the close, the physical closeness. That's, I think, what really drew me in.
1: In uh, when you were volunteering in grade seven and eight uh, at that nonprofit, was do you remember uh, an experience or maybe a, a one person in, in particular that that stood out to you where you could see that it was it was making a difference in that person's life?
0: Absolutely, um, I actually still have that student here today. Yeah. And she <laughs> was a young, um, at the time, youth, she's now an adult, close to my age, actually. Um, but uh, she was a youth as well that was learning um, to be around the horses. And um, it took approximately one year to coax that individual on a weekly basis onto the horse. So we tried every week for a year, and and, and her group home was so behind her in um, getting her to the point where you could just see that she wanted to do it, but there were so many little mini factors that were holding her back, and one of them was fear. And then the other was just her ability to process. She didn't know, like, how to organize her body to mount the horse, or um, we needed to break it down into little micro steps. And so being a part of, of her, her path was really very cool and um, instrumental in, in my intrigue into all of this. <laughs>
1: That's so interesting, and and you still work with her today.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've known her for a very, very long time now. Yeah, that's that's,
1: that's amazing. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, so when when you when you started this in two thousand one, what why did you why did you want to do this?
0: Um, well, the nonprofit organization that I had volunteered with had closed down, and so there was definitely an unmet need in our in our area. Um, across Canada, therapeutic riding basically was having one centre in every city, um, sometimes more than one centre in, in, this, in each city. And so um, Saskatoon didn't have anything like that anymore. And uh, when the nonprofit closed, there were a lot of individuals that were just left with no options as far as. Pursuing riding, and so um, it all happened very quickly for me. In some ways and slow in others, it was like in the back of my mind that I wanted to do this. I, kn- after high school, I pursued human services, so um, I went and got a diploma in rehabilitation, and I was employed working with individuals with special needs. Um, and then just one day, I came across this horse. Flash was his name, and uh, he was just i knew would be a fantastic therapy horse and how did you know um well disposition he was a fabulous disposition on him um, anybody could ride him you could really feel like you could just absolutely trust him with your life um he had been um someone's show horse and he'd been very exposed to lots of different environments he was extremely quiet very docile And he was extremely tolerant. So I just knew he would be fantastic. So with the handful of people that I knew from the nonprofit that wanted to continue into riding um, and this horse Flash, I just started up shop kind of um, after work, one or two students per night until it got to a point where Flash couldn't be the only horse anymore. There needed to be more horses. And so then I purchased multiple horses I think at the point that um, at that point I was operating at someone else's stables and um, I was just leasing the facility and um, it just got to a point where I was only allowed to be in there so many hours per day and I was filling them so there was no other choice but to move towards um, having our own acreage with our own riding facility.
1: Did you did you know what you were getting yourself into a little bit? Because when I pulled into the yard, like this is a big place, and I didn't really know what to expect. But the the, the barn is big, and you have a, a beautiful yard and everything. But this is this is a big place. Did you know what you were getting yourself into a bit?
0: Um, <laughs> it was much easier when I didn't have to. You know, when I was boarding at the stable, the horses got fed two or three times a day, and you know there wasn't that care and management. Um, piece that I have now with all of the responsibility being on my plate and of course I was at a much smaller scale then you know I had 30 riders in a week not 110 so when you're managing all those people and all the people that go with those people and um, (laughs) volunteers because when you have that many people you require a lot of volunteers just to support these riders on the horses Um, yeah it's a lot definitely I did not know what I was getting into to answer that question no I remember after we built the riding arena I remember when they gave us the riding arena budget they included cleaning up the mess as part of the cost and I was like okay well we need to cut costs here we need to make it like this is a you know $160,000 building we need to you know shave off the $3,000 of the cleanup and so I had the builders just dump it all in a pile and I remember kind of of you know putting off towards the end of the summer like cleaning up the mess and hauling it all to the dump myself and thinking to myself like this sucks like
1: (laughs) (laughs) why didn't i just pay the three thousand (laughs) dollars
0: right exactly (laughs) um yeah so i guess it was the three the idea of the three thousand dollars amortized over a decade that was (laughs) killing me (laughs) but
1: (laughs) well it, it everything looks amazing now um so, uh, how how does it work? So how 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 does a family, a person, um, first first end up here, and and then you know get onto a horse? How how does that process work? Because um, I'm guessing that it, it de- maybe depends on. On what challenges they have, whether they be physical or cognitive, like how, how does it work?
0: Right. Okay. Well, this is getting deep. Are you sure you want to ask this question? <laughs> I am
1: because I'm very interested in this.
0: Okay, so um, we basically don't do any advertising at all anymore. It's all we bring in our students through word of mouth, and again, that sense of community that you were have we you were guessing that we've established here is that so true? Um, And um, it really depends on what walk of life the individual is (laughs) coming from. So we have a variety of different um, individuals that make referrals. So we work closely with um, speech and language pathologists, um, occupational therapists, physical therapists. Um, We work closely with um, the Department of Social Services, um, some school divisions. We're working with those because they're seeing unmet needs somewhere within that person's life where they feel like riding can be a benefit to them. So that's where things get a little bit dicey when I go into explaining how people benefit. Um, So people with physical disabilities, one of the craziest and most awesome things about riding a horse is that, you, um, number one, your pelvis is moved in the same way that your pelvis moves when you're walking. So, yeah, there is no other device that can move your pelvis and mobilize your pelvis in the same way that your pelvis moves when you're riding a horse, and the horse just does that naturally. So you're getting um, an anterior tilt of your pelvis, and then a side to side, and then, of course, a back and forth um, piece that mobilizes your pelvis. So for someone who's in a wheelchair, or not able to walk, or not yet walking, but we're trying to push walking, it stimulates walking reflexes, and it stimulates symmetrical movement of the pelvis. So if you're dealing with someone who has tightness or a disability where they're affected more on one side of their body, then the horse can actually train them to improve their walking gait. Yeah!
1: Isn't that crazy what a horseback riding can do for you physically? I, I just learned so much from Erin, and you heard her mention speech therapy, which is something very close to my heart, and we'll learn more about that connection in a minute. But right now, I want to introduce you to one of Erin's horses. You are about to meet Ladybug, and she is the newest therapy horse in Erin's family. We met Ladybug outside of her riding arena. Yeah,
0: so this one's Ladybug yeah and actually i was saying something thumper is our newest but actually ladybug is our newest therapy horse and she belongs to my good friend paula who also happens to be our farrier a farrier is a person who trims the horse's hooves and builds the horseshoes and shoes the horses so um she she's uh given us a ladybug to give for a try we've only had it for about a month now so she's She's a well-trained horse that uh, just needs to be tweaked for our environment a little bit, so that's where we're spending a little bit of time every day.
1: How do you do that?
0: Um, so it takes a lot of groundwork initially. So groundwork is the way that you work with the animal on the ground first, um, teaching them verbal cues like walk and trot. Things like that. And then just um, desensitizing them to the environment. So we use a lot of props when we're teaching like balls and toys and things like that, that we have to kind of get them used to. That wouldn't be something that even a show horse would have come across in their lifetime. So exposing them to more things. And then um, exposing them to um, um, unbalanced riders, right, that don't necessarily uh, sit properly um, and they're at adaptive equipment that they sometimes come with, like canes, wheelchairs, um, things like that. And then the other piece to it is actually making them strong. So a strong horse will be a tolerant horse. So they have to, a lot of people call us and they're like, oh I have this like three-legged lame horse that (laughs) we'd like to give to you. You know, they think that this horse because it's hurt or injured, you know, would be quiet enough for our riders and that's actually the furthest thing from the truth we need them to be in good physical condition so that they can carry those unequal loads and makes them more tolerant of um, the adaptations that we sometimes have to make or the the impairments that the riders have so riding her and keeping her strong is really important part of of her training and readiness for being a therapy horse
1: Ladybug was lovely, and you can see some lovely photos taken by Janelle Wallace on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Okay, back to the interview. Erin had just explained how riding a horse can greatly improve the mobility of your pelvis, which I did not know, but she also touched on the benefits when it comes to speech pathology. I was intrigued. You, you mentioned, though, um, speech language yeah. therapy. Well, how does that work? Because, as um, um, in one of the earlier episodes, I, I spoke with Kara Brox. Cara? Yeah. Uh, do you know Kara? Well, yeah well this is a small world and myself having gone through speech language therapy um, I did not ride a horse okay. so, so so how does that, how does that help
0: okay well first of all one of the other pieces about riding a horse is that it improves your posture so um, your alignment is improved because that's it wakes up your balanced responses so as the horse is moving your pelvis and your body's moving around it stimulates those balanced responses and it heightens people's posture so you can improve um, postural alignment which will help improve um, like projection of, of your voice um, improves the alignment so that you can project with your diaphragm more clearly. Yeah. And <laughs> also for um, people on the autism spectrum or those who are not yet Learning to speak, or they're not making that cause and effect connection, it improves the motivation. So they like the movement of the horse, and so they might learn to ask for go. Or for someone who's using like augmentative communication, or they're using a device to communicate, um, that's a way for them to practice using their device, or practice tapping the horse to make them go, or kicking their legs to make them go. We kind of take the individual's lead on that. Um, we, we've taught many kids basic academics, like colors. Um, they can use um, like pro loco to go when they're on the horse, so we play games with them. <laughs> so they can select that they want the red ring, for example, or that they want to carry the horse toy. Um, we've taught them um, letters, numbers. We've taught kids to read on the horse because when they have that movement, they're a really captive audience. And so that's the really cool thing, is that because they're being stimulated and they're in motion all the time, plus they're motivated... Plus, (laughs) Plus, <laughs> there are so many other ways. Oh, man. Um, for example, when you're riding your horse, um, you need to be able to identify gray areas, which is part of communication. Like, for example, you can walk on your horse, but then you could get your horse to do a fast walk. Well, then that you're going to have to feel and decide. Is this a fast walk? What is? And then the horse might respond. They might say, I'm not doing a fast walk today. And then you need to apply a response to that like yes you are we're going and you whether whether you're doing that with your voice or whether you're doing with that with your body it's all connected right you're having to feel and respond and it's like you're having a dialogue with the animal wow
1: (laughs) i'm still getting over the fact that you were teaching kids to read on the horse yeah that is that that is amazing yeah do people know about this (laughs) This is the reaction that we
0: get from everybody, especially if you know anything about human services or you've worked with kids with disabilities. If you have any background in that at all, definitely people are like, okay, so where's this been my whole life, right? And that is definitely a thing. I mean, therapeutic riding in Europe is huge. Um, It's just just like you would access a physio or an OT or a speech therapist in, in Europe riding is one of the things that you would access as well. So in Canada, it's not a sub- government subsidized service. It's a private service, unfortunately. And it's so much like that um, with all with all her services in human services, um, is that oftentimes, you know, you can get small segments of therapies in different places, but they're not... Funded for more than 10 weeks or something like that, right? So um, parents are choosing to come to therapeutic riding, I think largely because it's such an all-encompassing therapy. We're working on physical things. We're working on developmental things. We're working on speech. They're getting the movement that helps them be calm and grounded like they're trying to get when they go to occupational therapy. It ties in with all their other therapies that they're already doing in so many different ways. Plus, it's fun.
1: I'm curious about the parents because when they first come here with their kids what what are their what's their reaction when they see their kids up on 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 the horse and, and maybe after a couple of lessons what what are they like
0: well, they can see that their child is responding, right? Um, the movement is just so very stimulating that regardless of, of um, how they come to us, like a nonverbal child with autism, you know, you got a little four-year-old child They're sometimes at that age when they have autism, they're not even making eye contact. So we can utilize the movement to engage the rider. And so I think parents are seeing that their child is engaged and it opens the door for them to be able to learn. Uh, How can you be teachable if you're not looking at your teacher? How can you learn to copy someone's action if you're not attending enough or you're so overstimulated by your environment that you aren't able to focus? So um, the movement is such a key component that I think that parents catch on to that pretty early on.
1: So then your, your role as, as a teacher, because when, when, I, when I came and watched you just a, a few minutes ago, every, everyone, that was a, a general public class, so everyone's responsive to you. But when you have a four-year-old with autism who's nonverbal, how do you, how do you communicate with them? And then how, how, do you, how do you feel safe with the child up on the horse? Because if I'm a parent, <laughs> like my heart's probably racing
0: Right, so we have to provide enough support to that individual to keep them in the game. So, and that means keep them a safe on the horse, and b um, stimulated. Right. Um, and in balance so despite whatever the child's disability is whether they aren't able to if it's a child that's not yet sitting or if it's a child that has kind of an unpredictable type of behavior or self-stimulating type of behavior we have to provide what we call sidewalkers to that individual so one person would be leading the horse one volunteer usually would be leading the horse, and then the instructor or multiple volunteers would be supri- providing physical to support to that rider so that they can stay centered and balanced on the horse so we can make positional corrections as they're going we can um give as much or as little support as they need in order to stay balanced with with a person being being a sidewalker you um you can phase that out right a lot of people come here and they're like you know my child's in a wheelchair you know, how do we strap them to the horse or how do they, do they have a chair that helps them to sit? And it's like, no, that's the whole point of the exercise is to teach them to sit on their own and to give them all that movement so that they can start to right themselves um, and stimulate that trunk control that's so, is so hard to target in so many people. But that,
1: that must be so scary, and that that just reminds me of when I first started working at Sherbrooke, and and we practiced the eating alternative philosophy. So we, we very much in terms of individual el- elders, you know, you you do it, you decide, you know, what you want to do with your life. And sometimes that they're maybe not making the the safest of of choices, but that's their choice. And when I first started, that was hard for me because you know my mom was an RN for years, and she worked in a traditional nursing home, and you you took care of everything. Is that, is that hard for you, like especially maybe when you first started or when you're starting with someone new to like that wheelchair example? So interesting. How how do you not just want to hold hover. them up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I guess that's it. I mean. It takes time, right? So every person is a little bit different. You know, even if a person is in a wheelchair and we have this nice wheelchair ramp here, see, we can bring the horses up right beside.
1: Okay, yeah. We
0: can can transition them from the chair more readily onto the horse without us having to use a whole bunch of physical strength, right? But even then... um, Depending on where, if if a person has cerebral palsy, for example, and they have increased muscle tone and tightness that causes them to be able to be restricted in the way that they're moving themselves or helping to transfer themselves onto the horse, it's pretty much a crapshoot really every time you're you're having to adjust and modify um every mount or every dismount or every position on the horse to suit that individual person so when i say it's individualized that's what i mean like we have to recruit different supports for every different person that comes through the door it's they're going to need something different
1: and and you have 110 different individuals how do you how do you logistically keep track of do you take notes is it all in your brain
0: yeah well, we do take notes because that's part of my job. Um, but mostly the note taking is actually for reflection for myself. Because when you actually sit down for a moment and go, OK, this is what we did, or this is where we're what we need to do, um, it helps you to be able to plan towards whatever your end goal is. So when a student comes to us, there is always an end goal. There is always a goal that we're wanting to achieve. And it's different for every person. Um, once they're sitting on the horse basically learning to ride regardless of whether you have a disability or not it's it's actually the same path for every single person it just has different approaches to get there so all people when sitting astride a of horse need to learn how to sit that's number 1 if you can't sit in if you're not literally physically in the right position if your body is not aligned um, it's difficult for you to, regardless of what your disability is, to do much. You have to learn to sit. So a lot of our exercises at the beginning are for teaching a person how to balance and how to sit. And um, regardless of what their needs are, if it's a person with autism and they have low tone in the trunk or poor body awareness, we're going to notice an improvement when they start. We're going to go, look, they're sitting now. They're all in a line. Everything's lined up. And then from there, more functional things can happen. Same for a person with a physical disability. If we put them on the horse and they're like, wow, it looks like they're sitting on a chair. It doesn't really look like they're straddling a horse. then we, we, we can look at, oh, well, what is it that's holding this individual back from being able to position properly on the horse? And usually in, with a person with a physical disability, is often um, impaired range of motion or, or a spastic muscle tone that's preventing them from being able to sit properly. And we do the same thing with our general public students. You have to learn to sit because... Um, If you can't sit or rather straddle properly on a horse, it's going to impede the way that you balance. And when you have impaired balance when you're on the horse, you're going to be saying things to the horse That are unintentional. So then it makes it difficult for you to become independent up there because your communication is unclear with the horse. So you see what I mean? It's all about, first in the beginning, regardless of who you are, it's really all about being able to sit. And where you go with that, improved posture on a horse is going to improve your position when you're standing on the ground. It's going to improve your level of alertness to attend to listening to what your school teacher says. It's going to improve the way that people can understand you when you're speaking because your position. Is better. Um, yeah, those are all different examples. If you're a, if you're just a regular Joe and you want to learn to ride a horse, sitting properly is going to improve your ability to um, to be able to communicate effectively with your horse, so that you're not giving unintentional uh, cues to the animal that you're not intending to give. So, regardless of who you are, the at the beginning part is really the same for everyone. <laughs>
1: You, you mentioned a, a little bit uh, before the when you get, have time for self-reflection, and that's where you're able to to take some notes and and begin to al- almost kind of formulate a plan. When, when you have times with uh, with a kid, and maybe it it was a challenging session that day, or maybe he or she wasn't responding the way that you were hoping. How do you how do you remain positive and upbeat when when you have those challenging days?
0: Um. Well, that's, I love a challenge, <laughs> first of all. So um, when some parents come to me and they're like, you know, my child has some behavior problems or they've been removed from the regular stream school system because they can't comply with school rules or standards, um, I, I look at that as just like, bring it on. Like, let's let's find a way to incorporate horses and improve this person's life so that they can be understood and accepted and my, my end goal is always about making it so that they're functioning better everywhere. We, we don't just want to teach them to ride a horse. That's just one part of their whole program. And so um, how to stay positive? Yeah, I mean, it's not like those days are easy, but um, trying to find a solution is, is kind of fun for me.
1: Who is your support system when, when you have those challenging times? Who do you lean on?
0: <laughs> um, well, family, mostly, <laughs> and the horses, right? Um. <laughs> how,
1: how do the horses help you?
0: Well, I keep busy riding a horse my own, uh, of my own. Like they're, they're all my horses, but some of them are for our students, and one of them in particular, usually I have kicking around that's just my own special horse, and so that's an outlet for me because it's a physical, just like all my students' benefit, it's a physical outlet. I'm getting out in the outdoors. I'm exercising. Um, it gets me out of my head because when you're riding a horse, you can't be thinking about life or problems. You are really much in the here and the now. So it's just like, it's front and center. You can really leave your cares behind literally when you're riding a horse. (laughs) And then of course, I've had to have a lot of family support even to just get to where we are now, Um, you know. My husband, obviously, has come along for this ride and taken the gamble. Like, okay, let's build this massive building in our yard. Does
1: he love horses as much as you do?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) There's hardly anybody in this world that loves horses as much as I do.
1: (laughs) So so then, like, it's good that he's supportive, but did he think, like, Aaron, what... What do you want to do? Was that that kind of the initial?
0: Um, I think that he sees the good. He really sees the good. And just like you coming in and you're like, whoa, I had no idea all this could be targeted. Like, I had no idea you could help so many different people. And wow, the horse moves you like this. I mean... It's not, it doesn't take rock, it's not rocket science to see how much people are getting out of being here. And so I think that that's the main thing with um, anybody who supports this, is that everyone wants to be behind it because they can see the benefits. Everyone wants to do, be, a, be doing their part and in sharing in, in um, the gains that people are making. And so I think that that really speaks for itself. And I've, he's always just kind of, he's not kind of, he has supported me it's not easy hasn't been easy there's been lots of times like starting our family and stuff like that it's hard because I didn't get to stay home with our kids like other people do entrepreneurs like women entrepreneurs have it a little bit rough where you know family isn't the total center like it used to be so definitely there's been some adaptations that have had to be made for sure um to make it happen yeah I feel like a lot at some days they definitely think that I'm out here more than I should be I'm guessing but it's what makes my heart pump so <laughs> I wouldn't be me if I didn't have that
1: last question for you and I, I'm excited to hear your answer for this because you, you've you've loved these animals for a long long time and and I'm wondering what what you love most about horses
0: oh what do I love most about horses um, I think I love th- the most, um, as, as just how they, uh, they communicate. So I feel like being a horse person has helped me to do my job in such a way that if I weren't dealing with horses, obviously I wouldn't be able to do my job, but, um, it has taught me to be good at what I do because they don't communicate the same way that people do. They don't think like we do. First of all, they're prey animals, so they're hypersensitive, they're reactive. Um, They see and hear things that we don't see and hear. And putting myself in their shoes and trying to think like a horse has made me good at what I do. It has helped me be able to decipher what it is that's going on with that nonverbal child. It has helped me to watch the cues and the body language and find information in other places other than what's obvious. And so... It's always sort of sometimes feels like a big never-ending puzzle by the time you're done dealing with the nonverbal people and the nonverbal animals. <laughs> sort of feels like... And then you have to
1: communicate with your husband.
0: Right. This is like just a big mystery, but I can read people the way other people can't. Like, I can see on someone's face their expression or the way that they're holding themselves. I can appreciate so much more from the way that they're moving or their tone of voice, and it, it helps me in life because I feel like I'm reading people just with way more accelerated ability, and it helps me to be able to make decisions about the ways that I help them. And that's because of working with horses because I've constantly had to read the horse and decide what to do and how to react, and how to respond, and figure out what they're thinking.
1: Isn't it amazing what animals can do for us?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, the sky's the limit. With horses, I think it's it's particularly cool, because there's a physical piece, there's that closeness, there's those communication pieces, um, you get the exercise, um, the stimulation. I mean, it's just, it's different than a dog, even. Just... It's not the same. They're different animals. They respond differently than dogs. Dogs are not herd animals. They're not flight animals. They are <laughs> predators, not prey animals. So the way that they interact with us is just completely different. And so, yeah, I'm, as much as, as, as anything else, I'm, a, I'm like a translator where I'm trying to teach people what it is that horses are saying and doing so that they can better understand.
1: I think what you do is amazing. Thank you so much for for inviting us out here, and this is this is amazing. So, congratulations on everything, and and thanks for agreeing to be a part of this podcast. This it was awesome speaking with you. So thank you.
0: You're most welcome. I love speaking, so <laughs> it works so <out> good.
1: <laughs> thanks, Aaron. You're welcome. Passion, intelligence, kindness and a great storyteller. What more do you need in a podcast guest? My thanks to Aaron McCormick for inviting Janelle and I out to her acreage to learn more about what she does and to meet her lovely horses. Once you're done listening to this episode, please go to our social media pages to see Janelle's pictures. They're stunning. This has been Episode 6 of YXE Underground. Thank you for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce the show. If you know someone doing something great here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send me an email, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and now on CBC Saskatchewan and CBC Saskatoon's websites. And a very special thank you to a new member of the YXE Underground team, which right now consists of Janelle and myself and my cousin Andrew. But this would be Corrine Larson. Corrine Larson is one of my best friends and one of the people I most admire in this world. She's a very powerful person at CBC Saskatchewan and is now a consulting producer for this podcast. Uh, we're, that's because we're partners and it's really exciting to partner up with CBC to get this podcast to more, uh, to more of your mobile devices, your computers, your ears, and I have to say, it was Corrine's advice uh, to do my voicing on location, which uh, I love the idea, uh, but next time I need to bring mitts because it's a little bit cold outside here at uh, Cranberry Flats. But Corrine, thank you so much for all your advice, and it's wonderful to have you part of the team. A big thank you to Janelle Wallace for taking some incred- incredible incredible photos of Aaron and her horses. A uh, big thanks to my cousin Andrew for the theme music. It sounds fantastic as always. And a big thank you to my wife, Jennifer, and my dog, Fred, for simply being the best next episode chef Scotty Dix will be the guest and he's bringing people together in Saskatoon through a shared love of food he's a really interesting guy and I think you're really going to love the interview and before I go I would just like to acknowledge that this interview and my voice and where we did it uh in terms of uh, Aaron's interview was recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis my name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode six of YXE Underground. You can find more episodes at yxeunderground.com or on iTunes, Google Play, CBC Saskatoon or Saskatchewan right now or your favorite pod, uh, your favorite podcast app. <laughs> My mouth's getting cold because I've been out here too long. But YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon, Saskatoon.